paving the way for 2016, celebrating winter and saying goodbye, and MLK Day. All this on the January 16th edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. And as always, the Anderson Observer Podcast is made possible by Sullivan's at Brookstone, Anderson's best spot for lunch and dinner Thursday through Friday, and lunch on Wednesdays and through Sundays. Yep, that's right. You can get Sullivan's Metropolitan Grilled Food at lunch on Sundays at long last at Sullivan's at Brookstone. Check them out on Facebook at Sullivan's at Brookstone or at Sullivan'sBrookstone.com. Menus there and everything. It is fantastic if you haven't been out there. It's like a little Sullivan's Jr. And if you're downtown, don't forget the mothership, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, one of the top restaurants in the whole South or anywhere else for that matter. You can't beat their food. It has been another great week in Anderson. Had a flurry of activity and planning for the year ahead, and it's already in motion, including plans for the county to use $45,000 of the accommodation tax money to help rebuild Kid Venture Playground at Pacific Center. It is in serious need of new equipment, and a citizens group led by Julia Woodson, who we've had on the podcast before, has already made huge improvements out there, and, and with their work and their fundraising and other efforts to involve the community and with this money uh, and the county's help, this could happen much sooner than planned. That, that Kid Venture Playground needs to be accessible, uh, and it will be under the new thing. It'll be ADA accessible, and it'll be safe for all kids that haven't been upgraded in t- 20 years or more. Well, January is half gone, and if you haven't paid your property taxes, you are now in the bonus round with a small penalty, so you better get that taken care of. And if you're not one of the 6,500 people who've tried ice skating at Carolina Wren Park, your chance is almost up since they closed shop on Monday for the season. They waited uh, until that ice skate rink is down to close the Bales building, and it's finally coming down next week. Don't have an exact date, and Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns is going to let us know right before it happens. They should have it down pretty quickly. A lot of great memories have been shared about downtown Anderson and its retail heyday, and especially the old Bales building. A lot of people have sent uh, memories to me, and we'll, we'll share some of those next week about when they tear it down. So more on that on next week's podcast and more information on that. Anderson County Council Chairman Tommy Dunn was reelected to serve in that position for another year, and Ken Waters will be the uh, assistant uh, county council chairman for another year. Uh, Dunn's hard work to keep council on track in all matters and really keep the meetings organized and moving ahead was a real shining light this past year. Really appreciate the work he's done there, and the county should be really grateful for his hard work, and I'm glad he's going to be in charge for another year. Sadder news this past week, we did lose a statesman when Senator uh, Billy O'Dell died unexpectedly. Uh, O'Dell was a great public servant and a friend of Anderson County, and he will really be missed. I'd interviewed him a few times. I know everybody who'd ever worked with him, I know he was always mentioned as one of the best people to work with, and he really did have uh, a real strong sense of public service, and he was a statesman, and he really did a lot of good things for Anderson County. And we also lost Anderson's first canine training officer, Mike Dixon, last week. He was a pioneer in working with police animals here and 16-year veteran of the forest. Sad day. I know he will be missed. If you know him or his family, you might want to mention it to him. On Friday, Mayor Terrence Roberts had his annual Martin Luther King breakfast, and it drew more than 600 people, maybe a few more than that. People kept straggling into the Civic Center Friday morning in spite of a cold driving rain. Roberts reminded everybody there of the golden rule. He said the golden rule is not a suggestion, but it is a rule. And keynote speaker was Anderson native and Claflin University professor, Dr. Isaiah McGee, and he did a wonderful job too. But it was the mayor's words that I remembered most from this year's breakfast, and I wanted to play a short clip from that. Binds us together is not the color of our skin, or the tenets of our place, or the origins of our names. 
What makes us exceptional? What makes us Americans? Is our allegiance to an idea articulated in a declaration made more than two centuries ago. The commitments that we make going forward apply to all Americans. We must continue to, to stress the importance of education. We want all children to remember that more democracy is always possible if they are willing to carry out their heritage with vision, courage, and compassion. Parents must be involved and supportive of their children's efforts. Education is the great equalizer. Learning is a collaborative undertaking, and some of it has to be done at home. We all must feel a calling to give back to our community. Everybody can give something, either your time, your talent, your resources, or skills that you have. Someone has said that you can judge the evolution of a society by how well it treats its most vulnerable citizens, whether it's children and its elders. In a rush of our daily lives, we must protect, support, and assist those vulnerable people who live among us and depend on us. Finally, we must find in our hearts to obey the golden rule as close as we can to those that we come in contact with on a daily basis. To do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And remember, it is a rule, it's not a suggestion. Uh, thank you for your understanding on the quality of that audio clip, but it was worth hearing. It was a good event, and if you missed the Martin Luther King breakfast, I uh, hope you can attend next year. It's something the mayor's been doing for some time. Uh, coming up soon is another big event that's kind of teaming up all the folks in the area. It's the Chamber and the County's Economic Development Forum next Friday, and we'll talk more about that next on next week's podcast. We're going to have the Chamber Director, uh, CEO Pam Christopher, on to talk about that. As the legislators are returning to Columbia, they're trying to find money to fix our aging road infrastructure. They, everybody says that's a major priority, and it's the same in Anderson County. Roads are a priority with 1,600 miles of county-maintained roads. Our folks face a real challenge in Anderson. And even with this huge increase this past year, county council was able to come with, with for paving and for the, the roads in this budget year. It's nowhere near enough. And I talked to the folks who are in charge of helping prioritize and get the work done on Anderson County Roads, Deputy County Administrator Holt Hopkins and Roads and Bridges Manager Tony Owens about the ongoing progress and challenges of keeping those roads in good working condition so we'll have a good place to ride. Tony Owens, Anderson County Road and Bridge Manager. Holt Hopkins, uh, Deputy County Administrator. Okay. And so, and Holt also, you can blame Holt for, or, or give Holt praise for the bridges and roads, too. Well, the reason I wanted to do this the first of the year here is, is this budget year, and really beginning of this calendar year, may be, at least in recent memory, the most active time in road repair and stuff we've had in a long time. Is that right? We certainly had the budget for it for the first time. More money allocated than we had in a while. Yeah, it's going on how you look at it. Okay. Maintenance-wise, we have less money in our regular day-to-day -day maintenance operation of just maintaining the 1,600 miles road. We did get more money for a resurfacing contract. So there's more money going, you know, to just resurface the road. Explain the difference between maintenance and resurfacing. Uh, maintenance is the day-to-day -day needs, you know, just uh, potholes pop up, uh, ditches fill up with silt that need to be cleaned out, trees falling in the road, 
trees growing in the road, trees encroaching in the road. So the day-to-day maintenance budget went down. And since '09, you're you're down how many people from where you were? Twenty people. We're Holy down cow. twenty. We're down twenty people, and that affects every crew. And you know, maintenance is a. So we had how many people in '09, roughly? Hundred. And we got eighty now. Got eighty now, right? And they cut the budget again this year. Cut cut our asphalt budget by two hundred and fifty thousand. We had we have we asked for last year. We had four hundred. We got two fifty this year to do repairs with. And that's just to do maintenance repairs, and they, they cut they cut it from we asked for four fifty they cut it to two fifty, so they cut from really I had four hundred work with last year this year I got two fifty work with. Well, I was but, but the theory was that they were trying to get every dime they could to go toward a big resurfacing right. contract, and that was a serious need, right? Is that yes, correct? It was definitely for resurfacing. And, yeah. and I mean Tony's projections and, and our projections have been. We really need to be spending seven million a year. I remember on that. Right. And, and three million is a good start, but we still got. Well, this is the first, money. compared to last year, that's a big. Oh, it's huge. Jump. So we can at least get something done, whereas last year we were just kind of right. hosing out our trucks and filling potholes, basically. Right. We're spending close to $400 million. Let me say again. We're spending close to $400 million on the resurfacing project. Four million, not four hundred. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's dreaming. He's wishing you had 400 I've been thinking about that lottery. Yeah, yeah. If we had 400 million, you probably could get some rosary service. You could, yeah. But 4, four million, million is a lot of money. And we've got how many roads? 1,600 miles? Right at 1,600 miles. Right. And now how, I know there was a determination. A lot of people may not have read this stories because we've written about this and talked about it, but how was it determined what roads would be resurfaced? And We have, we have a, a, a system where we go out and we evaluate. And then it tells us our worst roads in order and then we look at them and then we also look at the number of calls we have the number of traffic that used the road so it's sort of a calculation and then you know council has some that they recommend so it's sort of a mixture that we recommend to council and then they put it in the order they want mm-hmm. but we use our in, our daily inspections right now we put i guess we had to wait on the bids and all and that's why we're starting in january with a lot of the resurfacing is that right we put it out bid we in November. Yeah, we put it out bid, got it back, approved, awarded, yeah. and had our pre-construction yesterday with the contractor. Okay. They're starting next week. Oh, great. great. Now, what, you know, I, I know there's too many to name, but what would people notice? Where are people going to notice it the most? I mean, is there some major thoroughfares where people are going to notice it a lot more? They, they'll probably notice it on the higher travel roads. Right. And then, you know, over the last six years, we were doing single treatment and full depth patching, where we were just putting down that gravel and tar. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go back to those roads and put surface on. Okay. Not all of them, but a lot of them uh, get resurfaced. So the ones that, you know, remember where we're getting the tar and gravel over the last six years, they'll see some surface coming to that area, along with some roads that didn't get anything that we're just repairing. Now, what roads, can you think of any of the big roads come to mind? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here. Any big roads come to mind? Well, keep in mind, county big roads are big to us. Well, I know. I mean, but they are the people riding on them every day, too. Yeah. I'll, y'all keep talking. Yeah. I'll try to do a list. Okay. No, I can't. You can't I, think I'm right I, now. Yeah, I'd pull up the wrong right. road. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so, in addition to the, the repaving that's beginning now, we still got you've still got all the 
day-to-day stuff, the, the patching, and, then, and this weather is probably not helping. This cold, hot, cold, hot, cold is the worst thing happening. Yeah. You know, we have a Black Dairy West in Belton that we call it West, the bridge. There, there's two bridges on Black Dairy. Okay, now, uh, tell me, I know Black Dairy is a long road, right? Yes. Because it, it comes off of Main Street there. Right, right by Wendy's. Yeah, yeah Wendy's, I think it's Wendy's. Yeah. And then you, then you cross that railroad track, and it goes a long way over to, which side of that is... The Belton side, we call them West. Okay, and okay. Not too so this far. is that side off, right off of there? Yeah. There was a bridge down there that always flooded. Water topped the bridge every time, it, you know, good rain came in the area. So we're taking that bridge out, putting a box covered in, which is like a 10 by 10 opening box cover, and building the road up about six feet. Wow. So it won't flood anymore. It won't top the road anymore. Right. So if people be routed around that in the meantime? Been routed around it since July. July. That's right. I had the story on that remember that. Yeah, see, um, we allow 10 weeks to put it in, and our guys can put it in in about eight weeks. We, have, we allow 10 weeks to put it in. Started in July, and started raining. Right. You know, we got the unusual wet summer. So we actually got the box in the ground and started backfilling the dirt up to it, and it's been wet ever since. Right. Just can't get in there. It, You know, it'll dry for a week or so, but it don't get the material dry before it rains on it again. Well, that'd be huge for people because that's sort of a, long thoroughfare through for a lot of people to live out that way. Right. See, we had an October 30th opening date, and that would have been easy to get based off our past, past insulations, but we're still ain't there. But we if just, the weather holds up, that ought to be pretty quick. That's pretty high on the list of getting finished. Kind of. Oh, we, every day that we can go down there, we go down there. I got you. But we just changed the opening date to March 3rd, I believe, okay. hoping that we have some work days between now and March. Right. How, how does explain to folks who don't understand anything about this? If you were trying to tell your great aunt what kind of weather is best for paving, what kinds of worse? I know rain's probably the worst, but what you know, what kind of things are the for construction in general is hot, dry days. So from you know when it turns off, starts turning off warm in April till September is mainly when you can get the most production. Okay, and then after that, it's a it's a shot in the dark. Because of the rain. Well, now, during, colder. The, during the summer, you know, it, it could rain hard and be dry in 12 hours. Right. But this time of year, it can be rain one day and take two weeks to dry. Right. Yeah, it just don't dry up. It's so cold. The moisture in the ground, it just don't, it just don't get it out. But if it's dry now and colds, that's okay. You can still, you can still do it. As long as the moisture content is not too much in the ground. You know, if it get, gets, if it's too much moisture, and you see the moisture comes to the top. With the jack frost. And if it's too much, we, we can't move dirt, you know, because it won't compact right. Can it be too cold? Well, if it gets frozen, yeah. it can't work it. But it can't really be too cold here. As long as it's dry, we can work it. Usually when it gets that cold, it's when you start having too much moisture. Right. And you just don't get a good job out of it. And, and we're not worried about a construction job when there's ice and snow on the ground. Right. We're busy doing other stuff. Right. Like that. Well, that's something we'll get to in just a minute, too. Um, so, right now, when the contracts that are out now and the money we've got this year is completed, um, people should notice a pretty big difference. They would notice a difference. It's not big on our scale, though. No, but if you live on one of those roads, it's going to be a big difference. If you live on that road, it's going to be huge. Right. That's what I'm getting at. The yeah. People, oh, yeah. people who've been waiting on something, it's going to be a big deal for them. It's going to be a big deal for them. This overall should be a good year for paving, period. I mean, um, yeah, we still have quite what we need on our county roads, but 
combination of what Tony's doing with his staff and contractor and what the state's going to do because of the new that influx of one-time money from right. the state. There's going to be a lot of paving being done, whether it's on state roads or county roads, but there'll be a lot of paving done this summer. Well, I mean, people talk about roads as much as anything here we're talking about. You know, people start saying they want their roads, you know, roads fixed. Um, how long will the, I mean, I guess it depends on weather, but do you, by the end of the budget year, should you have most of that stuff done or, you know? We'll have 50% of our contract done probably by the end of this budget year. Okay. But we're giving our contractor till um, end of October, I believe is the deadline, and that's when it starts. Prime getting, time. Right. Paving, also. Right. And built in weather times and all that. Exactly. We get the best production if we let them go all the way till, right. instead of making them try to get done in June or July, when they, then they won't start earlier, and we might not get the quality if they wait till the, the prime months. Now, if you could, I don't, you know, we, I have no way of knowing because nobody's even put out a draft budget. If you could maintain this level of paving money over a long period of time, is that going to be substantial? I mean, how much will that help? If they continue giving this much every year. It, it, it again won't eventually won't catch us up, but it will slow down the decline. Right. Well, I remember the, the the presentation y'all gave, and you basically talked about how long a road will last if it's maintained properly versus one if you just have to keep repaving it all the time. It's cheaper short term. It's penny wise and dollar foolish, really, just to keep it. If that's all you got, that's all you got. Yeah, um, I mean, and Tony is implementing a lot of different uh, those tools that we talked about during that meeting. That, right. You know, he's crack ceiling. He's putting the tar and gravel down. He's doing some patchwork, sealing them out. The biggest thing is keeping water out of the asphalt. Mm -hmm. And that ceiling does that and buys us four or five years. Right. Um, so if he can continue doing some of those little maintenance things, we can keep kicking that can down the road for a while that we don't have to repave. Repaving costs about three times what uh, tar and gravel costs. So we need to keep doing those kind of multi multi approaches to, uh, to try to stretch the dollars but also keep the roads in good shape. Well, and I guess you face the additional challenge of the fact that probably in the last if you go 25 years, we've almost doubled the population. And that's put a lot more stress on our road system because we really haven't added that many roads. <coughs> not, not in context of that giant population. And then if you, you know, if, you know, I grew up here and there were, there are places now that the middle of a weekday morning looked like Christmas looked like 20 years ago. You know, it's yeah, exactly. bumper to bumper and a lot of, and we still have a lot of large trucks and stuff coming through, probably putting a lot of stress on our roads as well around here. Right. Uh, I think they're just getting wore out. You know, like I hope said it a lot of times, you take the number of miles and the life expectancy is 20 years. It's really not, but that's what, we're going to use to give it a benefit. It's used about 12 years. If you divide and you do the math, it, it's going to cost us seven and a half million dollars a year just to make the loop. You know, if it wears out in 20 years, you got to put seven and a half million dollars at today's cost every year to make that complete loop and be ready 20 years from now to start over where you're at today. And we're just on a steady decline. I'm trying to save it. Well, I mean, I, and I know you don't have the answer to this because I mean, it's this morning at, at the legislative delegation thing, one of the councilmen asked before it, it was canceled, um, you know, the, the number one thing was calls on roads, and what are you going to do about roads? And I know nobody wants to raise taxes, nobody wants to do anything like that, but everybody wants a good road. You seem to be caught between rock and hard place. 
Well, keep in mind, it's, for the general public, it's kind of complicated. It's complicated. Think what's county roads and city roads? Well, I mean, that, roads but, and... but even revenues. Right. There's so many different revenues come in that affect everything. And right. One of the things that was being discussed this morning in the meeting was local agent subdivisions. Right. Well, you know, they reduced that significantly back in the recession, and it's never come back to 100%. We lost about two or three million dollars in that decline, and that's pretty much his been his paving for years. So it directly affects that. But years ago, um, and I'm not judging whether it's a good or bad thing to have cheaper car taxes, uh, but when we ratcheted down the car taxes, that took another couple of million out. If you put all that back immediately, he would almost have his seven million dollars for paving. And so, you know. Everything affects. Now, the growth has helped, but it hasn't been enough because it puts burden on other parts of the county, not just roads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, we, we'd love to get that revenue or some some supplement back. And the growth of industry is bringing a lot of heavy machines on those roads as well. Yes. I mean, you, you can't say it, but I will. I mean, South Carolina is one of the few states that caps vehicle taxes. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean... I could say this, you guys might not want to or can, but if I buy a Rolls Royce, I ought to be able to pay the tax on it. I shouldn't pay 300 If I buy a used Honda, I should be paying a different tax than the guy buying a, a yacht or a plane. I mean, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot on that because that, people are talking about gas tax and stuff. That's a one quick way to uh, bring that money back. Take all that money over that. and Even if you even if you only cap it at 1000 or something, just ratchet it up the top, you know, you have a, if I buy a used Honda, it's three hundred, and if you buy a new truck, it's seven fifty. If you buy a Rolls Royce or a yacht, it's a thousand. You know, if you at least got the graduated scale based on what you can afford. Um, the same people who don't want, you know, any sort of government interference don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> I mean, people say, oh, you know, um, they don't want to pay their share on something like that because if you can afford to buy high-end luxury car, you can afford to pay $600 tax on it. I'm sorry, you're paying $70,000 yeah. for your car. Yeah. You don't have another 600 for your tax. You don't need it. You don't, you really get overbought, you know. But that would make, that'd be a huge pool of money, what you're talking about right there. If you took all the vehicles, I don't know how many registered vehicles are in South Carolina now. I mean, it would have to be probably average one per person because a lot of people have more than one. Uh, let's just say there's $4 million out of $4.8 million. That's a lot of money. Well, and we're very thankful that C funds, uh, which is a state funding mechanism, right. but it's a local committee. Uh, they they contributed about a million and a half towards this contract. So, of that four million, he's talking about right. C funds, is, which is some of the gasoline taxes help help pay for. So, so we don't really know next year how much money will be available at all. I have no idea yet at this point. And. Right. And, and council had to actually use some one-time money right. to you to get our paving accounts up this time without raising taxes or doing anything. Right. So we're we're a little nervous how we're going to come up with that money again this well, year. All right. You had a list of roads that had needs. How many of them were taken care of this time? I mean, what percentage, roughly? I'm not asking for a pure number, but how many miles is in that contract? Any idea? I, mean, I just wonder, like after this year, next year, you're gonna have how many you're gonna need? I mean, you know, how many? I would, if I had, to, and I'm guessing now, but that okay. contract probably only covers about 50 to 75 miles. Wow, I, it's probably closer to 50. Yes, um, out of 1600, and miles. we need to be paving 100 plus miles a year, so we're only uh, to catch up. Because uh, I remember just the chart, to get I remember on, the chart very clearly that you put together. To, 
showed you how many roads a year you had to maintain to yeah. get catch up. Yeah. Now, once you catch up, that number would be a little more fluid, depending, right? Uh, it depends on what level of service you're asking. Gotcha. I mean, if you want to stay on that 20 year cycle, right. it's you have to pay. I got you. Uh, Twenty uh, what five percent or whatever per year? You have seven and a half million dollars a year to make yeah. that at the current cost, right? But that's a good like you talk about the the, the level that you expect the road to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good question. I was out yesterday looking at several different roads from a gravel road, starting with a gravel road, then you get on a dirt road, and then went up, got to this one road that got a lot of complaints on. It was in excellent shape compared to that gravel road. Right. It, it had some needs, but it, you know, I was thinking, well, me and Holt's talking that some of these roads may have to go back to gravel. You know, if we just don't have the money and they get all big holes in them, we have to mm-hmm. put some, just completely put, put them back in gravel. But and I was thinking that road was in great shape compared to the gravel road. So it's really what your standard is, what you expect it to be. Why don't we take the driving too far? But how how? A well-maintained gravel road is not a bad thing. I mean, when I went, when I went to T.L. Hanna, Reed Road was gravel. Mm-hmm. Now, it did have that dip where it would wash out. What century? It was back when we rode our horses. Our horses wouldn't go through oh, okay. this. Yeah, it was black and white. But, you know, that really wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're talking about early 70s. We're talking about Reed Road was gravel. People, for, That seems like a long time ago, but that's a well-traveled road right there. And you expected it to be smooth and not washed out. Right, it did wash out, and you'd have to go all the way around Bellevue to go to Hannah when you went to school. But it, other than that, it was fine. And you know, um, uh, Rogers Road was gravel until not too long ago up there by Hospice. That was always a smooth road. It was gravel, but it I never had any holes in it that I remember. And the, part one of the problems, though, there is a significant amount of maintenance has to go the road, and it's more labor intensive, equipment you. intensive. I got you. Um, an asphalt road is is you can pave it and walk away from it for right. a while, but uh, once you have to start maintaining it, it costs big bucks for the right. material. There's no easy. There's no easy fix. Yeah, that's the trade off. How many gravel roads do we still have? I mean, how many miles of gravel roads do you know? We have a, a little 104, and it's like 20 miles combined. Okay, well, that's not very much then. So we still got 1,580 miles of paved road we need. Yeah, to uh, maintain regularly. But going back to the maintenance thing, uh, keep in mind, without that maintenance, of, uh, we I joke with Tony, but mowing is the most important thing he does. It's not patching a pothole. But if that if that grass and trees grows too high, the road starts getting encroached on. You can't see a sign warning you that the bridge is out. You can't you can't see to turn onto a road. I mean, and I don't so, think most people associate. Mowing would maintain roads. They think that's something else. You know? Without that, the, our roads would go to pot. Uh, our ditches would fill in, and once the water starts getting back in the road, the road's gone. And like you mentioned about something else, earlier, that's slow and labor-intensive. It has to be done. I mean, even like now, because we had warm weather and for a month, in the middle of winter, you got to get out and cut some grass. Right. We have 14 mowers that we run year-round. And then, you know, that's not very many. And we have a right now they're booming back, you know, the vegetation that grew out of trees and stuff to brush. But then they'll, they'll we try to make six rounds throughout the whole county with those moors. So they're working every day. So, other than what we can't fix is we need another three and a half million dollars this year and another 
and then <laughs> seven every half, year. Yeah. But uh, I guess, you know, the good news is it's way better this year than it was last year in terms of what we're able to do. It's one, progress. one of the big challenges he's facing right now is, is our culverts. Um, we can, back in the uh, 80s, we kind of got away from concrete. Mm-hmm. And we started using uh, corrugated metal. Well, 25 years later, that metal rusting out at the bottom. Water's getting around the pipe instead of through the mm-hmm. pipe. And it's washing out a lot of our roads. We've got uh, Guyton Road is closed right now for that very reason. Um, Green Tree Circle closed it yesterday. Once that water starts seeping out of that pipe, the, we lose the road. And it's very dangerous. Because wow. It could happen in the middle of a storm and we don't know it's there. And uh, boom, we all, all of a sudden have a hole. Somebody was just trying to save some money then. Is that what they were yep. trying yeah. Metal pipe's cheaper than the concrete. It's less labor to put it in. It's, it's a lot of things. But thankfully, early 2000, we switched back and actually asked, had it written into our policy that we have to use concrete in our road beds uh, from now on. So um, hopefully the pipes he's putting in now will still be there for our grandkids. And it will. So, all right, let's say, are we, so we're paving 50 miles this year. And we're going to need a whole lot more money to keep up in the future. What if somebody lives on a county road and it's just real problematic? Who do they call and what do they need to? They call our work order system, 260-419. Okay. And they'll just describe what the problem is. Okay. And we have people to just answer the phone and take work orders. And then that person will put a work order in and we'll, we'll take care of it. Now, we can't pave the whole road, sure. but we can fix anything that's dangerous. Right. We can repair it. Well, and citizens are an important part of this process, right? right. I mean, exactly. y'all, y'all can't identify, y'all can't ride around and check 1,600 miles of road all the time. Mm-hmm. Y'all need people to call in and say, hey, there's a giant hole in. Exactly. Yeah. Or this we depend on that. Signs down, you know, trees in the road. We depend on the callers. Well, let, let's talk about bridges real quick before we finish up. What about our bridge situation? What are we looking at? We're actually getting closer to being in better shape. When we first started our bridge program, you know, we were, everything was, um, what's their term they call it? We had, uh, it's like 40% of our bridges were deficient. Deficient, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, we've been proving that we've been building one or two a year in-house since we sort of built our own bridge crew. So next, we just finished Long Road. We finished Blake Dairy right before that. A bridge on Blade Air. Now we're doing the box with a different crew, and then we're starting Fire Tower next week. So if we, we we're going to continue to try to build one bridge a year. You know that that's the worst on the list. And we we, we are going to catch up doing that. I mean, we have already begun to catch up doing bridges I, like that. I think right? so. I think we'll catch up. What's the message for everybody that I need to tell them about what's going on? Better than it was, not where it needs to be. Is that kind of? I think that's it. And we're looking at other ways instead of just paving. We're looking at ways to save what we have and extend the life of it till we can't. Till times are better. You know, when I first started with the county, asphalt was twenty-four dollars a ton. Got up to a hundred dollars a ton. Now it's back down in the low sixties. So you know, if it, if it gets back down, we might go back to paving where we were. It'll never get back to twenty-eight dollars. Even though it should, but yeah, because the oil prices are down and all. Yeah, I'd like to see it there. Well, asphalt is now a uh, specialty specialty item. It's no longer a byproduct.
because they use petroleum all the way down to its last molecule. And then they have to put it back together for asphalt. So. Well, I guess people need to contact their council members that are starting to work on the budget. Let, let them know how important roads are Just to tell them. them, yeah, how important it is. That when you're looking at this, here's my priority, and, you know, I want, I want and, nobody to break into my house, and I want to be able to drive on my roads. And then you can kind of work down from there. And they have, I'm, I'm wearing my deputy hat now, yeah. countywide. I mean, they have to understand to, to beef up one area right. without going up on, on taxes. Without To beef up one area, you have to cut somewhere else. So well, there's talking, a balancing talking, act that council has to do every year. I understand, although we've gone a number of years without raising <coughs> the county, really. I mean, essentially, and I mentioned today, I think, and I think uh, it's unusual coming from the chairman of the Ways and Means of the state, when White to say, taxes don't bother people, they know what it's going for, you know? And people, if they know, if I give you a penny, then we're not going to have this problem again. People don't mind doing that, you know? All right. Well, going, going back to multiple revenues help make up this, I mean, there's a lot of things that if it's up to the public to decide what kind of tax they want, if they want to raise taxes. But, you know, a hospitality tax would actually indirectly help our road system because it would take pressure off the general fund, taking care of parks and civic centers and, and whatever by letting that fund pay for that so the general fund would be free to do roads and bridges and, and other stuff. Um, I'm mystified about why they don't pass my state. I, don't, I, I mean, don't, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to advocate either I know way. You can, but, but, but I mean, I can. I can just say... People would be upset for about 24 hours and they'd never think about it again. I mean, if, if you go out to eat somewhere, I mean, you got the most expensive place in Anderson, your bill might be two dollars more or something. I mean, you know, so you're not talking about a massive amount of money if you took a whole bunch of people, you know. So it's not like it'd be. and the trade-off of what you get from that service, if you if you know that it works going directly, you know, and you know that it's going to help, you know, the things that's going to help roads, it's going to help parks, it's going to help, you know. Uh, it, it won't be paying paying for roads directly, but it but takes it money out takes, of the other. It frees other monies up to go toward right. roads, and but that capital sales tax, you know, there's a lot of different options that can be done, but it's going to have to be community driven, not not us, not council. Uh, and it's an election year too. Yeah, people don't want to talk about taxes. Of course, the primaries are so it won't matter. But I do the administrators. I mean, he's certainly trying to do what he can to help you out because he yes. talks about roads a lot. But I do think it is important to keep issues like this in the forefront. I mean, people do want to be able to drive around, you know, and they want to, I don't know about, we're having the big litter forum thing tonight, uh, and I'm sure when y'all mow, you're no telling how much garbage y'all grind up. Oh, I know it. The roads are just covered in it now. And we just don't have the people to pick it all up. Right. I met with Gregor earlier this week. He was on this past week's podcast talking about, you know, the stuff they they do, but, um, I, the one thing, that, my takeaway from this, though, is, yeah, it's progress. I had no idea it was only 50 miles of roads. I mean, maybe that's a lot in y'all's world. To me, I'm like, really? I thought we had more money than that, you know? And uh, the other thing is, I didn't know y'all cut the grass. I don't know who I thought was doing that. I thought it was a different. Well, I mean, we're, we're cutting the county roads. That's what I'm saying. State that's what I'm saying, though, yeah. But, but mowing is a significant part of his budget every year. That should be another part of the budget, don't y'all think? Wouldn't that be better to have a line item? Coming from somewhere else to paper cut grass and then let us go to roads. <laughs> I got two votes at least. Yeah. But, um, well, I appreciate y'all taking a minute.
Well, I learned a good bit from that interview. I had no idea that that much money would only fix 50 miles of roads. And I also didn't know that road and paving money had to pay to, to mow the lawns, mow, I mean, mow the grass along the sides of those roads. I guess it makes sense, but it seems like that would be a separate budget item and I, that would have my vote. Um, it is amazing how much it costs, though, to keep pave, roads paved. And he was talking about the, the cost of materials has gone up exponentially in recent years. And we know the needs are great across the county. If you've ever hit a pothole or had to navigate around a bad area of road, you know what I'm talking about, and I appreciate the efforts of these guys and their crews to continue their progress with the limited resources they have to improve our roads. And if you have any problems, you can get in touch with them. You can either use the app or you can you can call out there and talk to them about that. Well, speaking of appreciation, Henderson County also had a drop-in going-away party for longtime communication director Angie Stringer this week. Uh, Angie won't be going far, only a few blocks up Main Street, where she's going to take over is director of the Cancer Association of Anderson. It is rare to see the stars align in such a perfect way to create the right person and the right job. And Angie's done a great job at the county, but I think she's going to do even more amazing things at the Cancer Association of Anderson. It's about saying goodbye yeah. to Anderson County. Angie Stringer's been director of communications for Anderson County for, what, 10 years? 10 years. 10 plus years. Wow, more than 10 <laughs> years. So more than a decade. So you haven't been here as long as the Bells Building, but you've been here longer than... Right. But you're both leaving at the same time? Yeah, same year. Same, same week. <laughs> yeah. They're they're coming down the, when you're taking your boxes down the same week. So. Oh, wow. Same day, isn't it? 18th your last day? Uh, Yeah, the 18th is my last day. That's the last day for the Bales building and the Waters building. So. Well, they haven't put the... I, I don't know that that's... Oh, I, yeah, I've got it. Rusty you got it? Yeah, okay. got that number. Oh, got that date. Awesome. Ice, ice skating closes. They, the call comes in. Wow. So, yeah, it'll be a day that we'll live so in. So you won't have to hear the noise. <laughs> That's right. You get to miss the noise. So that was really the reason you're leaving. You don't oh, want to hear yeah. the noise. I'm, I'm attached to the bills. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. So you've been doing this a long time. And let's just remind people, before that, you were at Anderson College yeah. or Anderson, Uni Anderson University. I can't call it University. You saved my life. I try. <laughs> I don't have anything against calling it that. It's just when we worked there, we worked there together. Yes. And uh, so after all this time, and I mean, you've been responsible over the years for helping get Tour de la France kicked off that, that Labor Day weekend. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't think people realize that over the year of budget cuts, you used to have a pretty good staff, and it's just been you the last five or six years. Right, right. So you've had to kind of do everything, and um, I don't know how many people they're going to hire to replace you, but uh, <laughs> now they've tried to add a TV station to you. I'm not sure that ran you off. Maybe. Uh, no, not <laughs> hey, actually. You, yeah, you know the job you're doing? Why not add one more job to it? <laughs> It's actually been exciting, and it's it's been like a seven-year baby for me. You right. Know. Um, about that. Uh, it's been like a seven-year baby for me. Um, you know, getting it going and getting it off the ground, and, and making sure you know to negotiate um, some of the projects and some of the things that were involved in it, and and getting community support because it's going to be a community station. So right. you know, you don't want to just hear. From us, you right. want to hear from nonprofits. You want to hear right. from industry. You want to hear from you know. Okay, you other... might have brag on that. You're not doing yeah. anything. Oh, I know, your but, problem. but it's still something. I mean, it's I like it when is. you work and you want to but see Angie, something. Angie, you happen. got a new job now. I do, and I'm and, and really you can't excited. do this one anymore. No, I'm not going to do this one anymore. <laughs> I am handing off. <laughs> All right, tell her about what your new job is. I am the new director at the um, Cancer Association of Anderson. I'm very excited. This has been. Uh, it's, it's very surreal for me. Um, it's kind of like a complete uh, journey, I'll say, um, that I've gone through this journey, and now, you know, it, I see 
um, where God is taking what I've been through and using it. And if you read the article in the paper, one of the verses that just really has been in my mind and I've pondered a lot is the God of all comfort who comforts you in all your trouble. Well, then turn around and use you to use that same comfort to comfort other people. And I, I just, that, mm-hmm. uh, and we've talked before. Comfort with the comfort we've been given. Yeah. Now, ex- when's the first time, you, do you remember the first time you heard of Cancer Association, Anderson? Oh, gosh. Uh, Catherine started, it's Catherine been around started, about 10 years, too. Yes, I, mean, I, I had uh, heard about it because um, I knew, Kat, knew of Catherine, didn't mm-hmm. know her very well, but I knew of her, and uh, um, so I heard about what was going on. Um, I actually helped with a couple of fundraisers they did, and then um, when Rusty Burns came to the county, one of the first things he said to me was, um, I've always wanted to do a bike race and call it the Tour de la France and uh, raise money for the Cancer Association of Anderson. And, um, of course, my response was, okay. Uh, you know, I've never done a bike race before. And he goes, you've been involved in balloon events and everything else. You can do a you bike race. You can ride race. a bike, can't you? That's right. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, so I got to know Catherine well then uh-huh. and some of the other volunteers there that worked there in Lindy Cannon and um, just really fell in love with what they were doing, never knowing that I'd be on the other side of the desk, you know, and uh, going a short through. version of that story because a lot of people may have missed it. Yeah, well, when uh, I was diagnosed, um, I went in to... With cancer. With cancer, mm-hmm. breast cancer. Um, I went to AnMed, and the day that they told me, I, I was in the room with my mother and my husband, and uh, we sat in front of a very nice lady who was the one who had to give me the news, and she said, um, Angie, you have cancer, and we need to get a surgeon. And I said, when do I need to give it to you? And she said, today. You need to decide. Oh, my goodness. Um, it, you know, and so I was like, okay. And everything is running through your mind. Of course, I was worried about my mom and my husband, you know, who were really caught off guard. And um, the next thing she said to me was, okay, um, I'm going to give you this address right here, and you go there when you leave here. Don't go home first. You go there. And she gave me a brochure with Cancer Association of Anderson, and I said, I know them. And she said, well they're going to be a lifeline for you. And she was so right because uh, we left there and went straight over to the Cancer Association and they told me about all the pro- all the programs, all of the um, support systems they had and um, I, I was really blown away to see it from that end because although you hear about it and you may know a little bit, you don't realize how much they do and have done for people in our county who are battling cancer. and. So it, they were there for me. Um, and, of course, you know, I mean, Catherine, you can't say Cancer Association of Anderson mm-hmm. without thinking of Catherine. Catherine Smith's still involved. She's on the board. She is. And we talked to her on the podcast a few weeks ago. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, and she's, she's an amazing lady. And she's the one that, you know, really you look at her and you say, you know. And she started it out of her battle of cancer. Yeah. That's what started the Cancer Association of Anderson. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. I'm going to let you start, start your new job today, but uh, <laughs> okay. you know a lot about it. Go ahead with your story. No, so, you know, I went there, and I, I was really amazed at um, just seeing Catherine and how she had battled, and then, uh, but, but here she is doing phenomenal things in the community, and she's writing, and she's involved, and, and it, it gave me hope 
knowing that, you know, this isn't like, like we talked about earlier. Not only is cancer not a death sentence anymore, but it's not even a sentence that you have to be complacent and you can't do the same things. Mm -hmm. It can actually be, just like any other obstacle in life, a stepping stone for your greatest triumph. Mm -hmm. And that that's the reason I'm so passionate about this, because honestly, it, it's it's very bittersweet to leave here. I, I love Anderson County. Yep. Um, From here, we're both natives, known yes. each other forever. And uh, I worked with Catherine. I believe it's just like this, this this community. People don't realize it's still, even though we're growing, there's still a bunch of us who've known each other a long, long time. Right, and and just seeing the good things that happened in the county. We'll talk more about that before we finish up, but go ahead. Since we're talking about Cancer Association of Anderson, I don't think a lot of people have, that have it's never, they've never been touched by cancer realize it's completely local. Mm -hmm. it's, it's funded locally. Yes. It's it's supported by local folks, and people that um, you know, if if you came in today and they said, you know, it was like a lot of people face what you face. They said, we need to do something now. Yeah. And you probably got to go to Emory tomorrow, you know, or yeah. somewhere wherever they're going. You know, they actually you can go in, tell them what's going on, and and people have told me they gave me money for gas to yes. get to Emory and back. Yes. They helped me find somewhere over there to stay. Yes. But it's in Anderson. It's not a national thing. And I'm not saying the national things are good, too. Yeah. But I'm saying we, we talk about what hits the ground first. And if you if somebody comes in there and they say, we really need to talk to somebody, then, like you mentioned, Catherine, when you were there, you know, been through it, it shows you it's not a death sentence. And you can say, hey, I understand where you're going. I came here just like you are. And right. that, that really is a... Is a, is a very unusual sort of thing for any nonprofit. And the people you and I were talking about before we started this, the passion you have for it's not just a job because you you were doing stuff for them when you weren't their director. Right, right. And uh, so I know you're excited about that. So you start next week mm -hmm. there, right? I start next week there. Remind people where it is. It's on Calhoun Street. Uh, Real easy to find. You'll see the find. sign out front. Facebook, web. They've got a website. Had a long time. You can donate. Yes. Those places you to sure there. Can. You sure and, can. Uh, and let me throw this out there because a lot of people don't know it. If you go to Amazon slash smile, Amazon.com slash smile, mm -hmm. and put in the Cancer Association as your choice, right. every time you buy from Amazon, right. the Cancer Association gets a percentage, which is really cool. And it's just a way if you're going to buy from Amazon anyway, you know. What, what's thing. your vision in the days ahead for that since you're taking over? Have you had a chance to digest it all? I mean, Well, I'm, there's a lot going on, and they've done a lot of things. And, and like you said, it's local support um, and, you know, and helping local people. So when you, when you give to the Cancer Association of Anderson, you're giving to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your family member. It's not a, um, a grim place. I want to make no. people, it's not like walking into a funeral parlor. No. I was in there one day talking to somebody. I was doing a story, this has been a couple of years ago. I heard all these people laughing. And they're in the wig room trying yes. on wigs. They have yes. wigs for people. Yes, wigs. And they were in there just having a hats and scarves. And they were just, I mean, it was like wild hilarity. And I'm sure during those kind of challenging times, laughter is a pretty nice oh, yes. to be able to laugh at. You better believe it. It's, it's all in your perspective. It's all in your attitude, I think. And uh, even my doctor, you know, um, my oncologist told me, he said it's 98% attitude. And uh, I believe that. So you got to have, you got to find the, Silver lining mm -hmm. in things. and uh, So tell me what all you'll be doing. Well, I'll be doing uh, working with the board right. to um, increase fundraising, to increase uh, awareness and education in our community about what the Cancer Association does, and hopefully um, reach out to some industry and let them know that we're here to help their people. 
um, if they have someone working for them. And I'm going to reach out really to churches too. We're going to put together a, a speakers bureau that can go out and talk because there's a lot of people who are involved in the Cancer Association who have had um, been touched by cancer, whether it's themselves or their family members or dear friends. So um, we have a lot of perspectives there that can uh, go out and talk about what the Cancer Association does, and that's exciting. And really just to really build up the presence in the community and to um, stay on the cutting edge of what's going on and work with our health providers in this area to provide more resources. Like one, one thing I'll just mention, one of the many things that um, Cancer Association of Anderson does is they have an oncology rehab program through Life Choice, and it's funded through ANMED's partnership with the Cancer Association. So once you, you have up to a year after you finish treatment to get in the program, and they work with you to strengthen your body up, to teach you exercises, to teach you nutrition, and things like that, which is something really all of us should be doing anyway. But it's, it's just one of the many programs they do. And also, or I say we do now, um, I went last night to one of the many support groups um, to just meet some of the ladies that are involved there and, and some men. Tell and me what the support groups are. The support group, one of the ones that I went to last night, and there's several of them, um, but one of the one I went to last night's one in eight, and it's uh, women who have had breast cancer. And uh, we had a visitor last night who came in and taught us some yoga moves, which was quite interesting. I'm a little, I, I got stretched last night, so in more ways than one. But um, yeah, it was really neat. And she talked about um, doing yoga and, and how that helps you just stay calm and increases endorphins and gets rid of toxins that are in your body by breathing correctly. And so just one of the many things they do, and they meet once a month and um, I got to really get to know one another, and it's it's like a family. And uh, I saw that last night, and looking forward to going and meeting with the rest of the groups, you know, and getting to know them. And um, like you said, we've got it on the website. There's all the support groups and everything that are there. And well, this is an exciting new challenge for you. It is, really and is. I'm I'm hitting the ground running because yeah. we have our uh, we have our girlfriend's tea on the 27th of February, okay. which is. Big fundraiser. Really cool fundraiser. It's a lot of fun and uh, really easy and inexpensive to get involved. And so, you know, if you're interested in that, definitely call us. Cause now, are you going to have to change your phone number to keep the county from calling you every 10 minutes? <laughs> hey, what are we doing about this? What are we doing about this? What are we doing about this? <laughs> no, you People know. People don't realize, Angie, I, I mean, and you, you can't, I mean, you're going to say, ah, shucks. I just did. But between the, the Labor Day weekend stuff, of course, Belinda's over Anderson before that, which, you know, we lost through no fault of ours. And, of course, everybody's lost it now. Because we still have the only balloons, though. Yes, we do. We have balloons over Anderson. Anderson, which we, is the only one in right. But um, to the Bluegrass Festival, who's going to do that kind of stuff? Oh, people from the community are going to step up. I'm believing that and uh, and get involved. And, and there's people here who I've worked with that have been wonderful that are going to, you know, Don't get sucked in. back into doing it. <laughs> Angie, well, Angie has this thing about, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. I can help you with that. And then I'll talk to her and she goes, I think I have a schedule from like 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. this week every day. So maybe we can get together in a month or something. <laughs> well, it'll be, you know, the cool thing is uh, with, with the bike race, the fun rides, um, you know, the roots of the Tour de la France were for Still the cancer right. So we What were you going to miss most about working with Oh, man. I think uh, knowing what's going on and seeing up close and personal the, the good things that are, that are here. I mean, 
people don't, you know, everybody dwells on that or whatever, but, you know, there are so many good things going on here, and, and our county is growing, and we have some amazing people and amazing industry and mm -hmm. just some great, I mean, you, you, Hartwell Lake is something that other places don't have, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we've got the mountains close. We've got the ocean close. We have industry that's thriving. There's a unusual thriving. group of people working here that people yes. don't realize either. I mean, from helping out with the floods. So many yes. people gave their time to go down there and be away from their families to help the lower part of the state. Didn't have to do that. Right, right. Uh, to just, even when they put the new tree up over there, people mm -hmm. were using their time to go over and help decorate the new county Christmas tree. Right. You know, this, and, and, and uh, you know, I won't dwell on it too much, but you know, your boss is pretty passionate about this area and community. Yes. People that don't know, every time I talk to somebody, whether it's last, last week's podcast was on um, litter and trash in the county, and they were mm -hmm. just talking about you know, Rusty will get out and pick up trash. I mean, yes. that's that's how. Matter of fact, the enforcement officer said he first time he met Rusty was at a county clean. He was cleaning up, and they go, "Who's got the administrator?" And he go, "I don't know who is that." <laughs> he's right over there picking up trash. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. He's a hands-on guy. He was not a guy that would just tell you, "Angie, go do all the work and I'll right. administrate." You know? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so you're gonna be the boss now. Well, you know, I, I'm gonna be a team player. I'm I'm looking forward to that and being a team and working with them to do. Something. We had a good mentor for that. Yes, I did. I have had several mentors for that yeah. that that are very. Uh, I I can look back through my working life since I was. I think I went to work when I was summer after the eighth grade at the orthopedic clinic. You ten know? years ago, you're saying? Yeah, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. many more than ten, but uh, but yeah. So I've had some great, strong people, strong women, and uh, and and some really good bosses who have uh, taught me. Uh, networking and uh, I mean any anything that that I've learned I give credit to a lot of the people who've mentored me and um, I'm, I'm very grateful and I, I think I'm going to be able to um, hopefully partner and you know Rusty is a big supporter of the Cancer Association mm -hmm. and uh, he, he's been touched by it um, and so I'm I'm going to hold him to. He told me he said I'm going to be involved so I'm going to hold him to it. Um, <laughs> well speaking of that I mean the other thing that Really, I mean, didn't have that much to do with your job. You've been involved in a lot of charitable stuff in Anderson anyway. I mean, you're, you're not out doing a lot of stuff with these charities because you work for the county because you've mm -hmm. got plenty of other stuff to do. And well, so I know you'll probably continue to be involved in all these county things that you've been, I mean, the, the charitable things you've been involved yes. in. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I think um, I'm not one of those people that says, ooh, I'm going to do this right now and I'm not going to help any because we have needs and, you know, in our community and there's so many great organizations out there and if, if there's a way we can partner and help, you know, I mean, I'm all about that. I think that, um, you know, one person can do great things, but when you partner and you get a community together working and everybody doing their part, but working together, I mean, there's no telling what we can accomplish and I'm looking forward to that. I, I really thrive on um, the satisfaction of seeing things come together and seeing things happen, and, and I think that's why um, I laugh and tell people, you know, the reason my job has been so great is that I'm ADD, and you're never doing the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, and you can multitask and do more than one thing at a time, and um, I like that, and I like seeing great things happen, and I've I've had wonderful opportunity at the county to be involved with some phenomenal organizations, get to meet some amazing people, and to see those good things come about, some of them from an idea to seeing them come, and that's one that we talk about the TV station. 
Um, I remember when Rusty first brought it up and and just watching that idea take legs and I, I'm you know it's of course you know you're, you're in an old building and you run into concrete walls doing cabling and fiber and stuff like that so we've had a few things that have kind of we got to stop for this we got to stop for this but to see that come to fruition is is just um, it's exciting to me because you you've been a part of a team that has done good things for the community. And speaking of that, I, I'm not suggesting we don't have challenges, but Anderson's very unusual about charitable organizations working together. Mm -hmm. you, you hear people that come over here for meetings, and they just don't see that. They don't see it in Greenville, and they don't see it in Spartanburg, and mm -hmm. Charleston, and Columbia. They're like, why are, why are y'all's organizations that are nonprofits not competing? They seem to be competing in other places. I think it is, if not unique, unusual to see our community do. And I think this is kind of who Anderson is. I agree. I like agree. we talked about a while ago, there's still enough people here who either have moved here or have lived here their whole lives and their families have been here for generations that just are connected in ways you, that, that transcend just, I live here and I have an address here. Right. And I think, I think the community here is unique. I think you're exactly right in that uh, people care. And uh, I remember, and I forget which organization it was, but I remember when I first came to the county, Somebody had an ad and it said the county with a heart and I thought you know That's true and, and it's kind of stuck with me all these years is because we, we really do I mean if you talk to people here um, You know government workers get a bad rap, you know, and, and there are bad apples. Don't get me wrong I know that but we're fortunate in the county to have a group of employees that like you said they really care and they get out and do things. If you look at the community service hours that Anderson, yeah, we're County talking about employees, off the clock. Yeah, yeah we're talking about off, off the, the clock, clock. Yeah. that they're doing and what they're involved in, and you know, giving back and doing. I mean, I'll mention, I'll embarrass her, but Rita is involved oh, with. Oh man, Rita Davis County Shalom, Finance Shalom yeah. House, you know, yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. there there are a lot of people here who are involved in charities that never talk, you know, about what they do, mm -hmm. but. We just we really have a great group of county employees that really care about our community and not just what they do from nine to five or eight thirty to five, but what they do with their life and I and I think that's that's what you'll miss. Yeah. All right, back to your commercial for your new job. <laughs> yes. All yes. right. Facebook's the quickest way for most people because yes. it take you straight to the website. You don't have to remember Cancer Association of Anderson dot. You know, yes, is it yes. org or com? I'm sorry. It's dot org. Dot org. Cancer yes. Association. That is, it is one long word, but yes. if you can't remember that, just go to Facebook. You can just type it in and find it pretty That's easy. That's right. And have you already memorized the phone number? Or are you? I have not memorized the phone number yet. I time. should have. Okay. Well, <laughs> I have not. Well, you've only known about this like a couple of weeks. I mean, it's yes. just been a pretty sudden opportunity to arise. Yeah, I've been trying to immerse myself at night in, you know, the programs and making sure that I know, you know, when they meet and things like that. So... I'm I'm still working on that, and like I said, hitting the ground running with the girlfriend's tea. But there's you know there's so many things that they do, and are involved in, and the partnerships in the community that they already have, and um, it should be a really good thing. And you mentioned a while ago one of the the things that was key uh, for a lot of people that I've talked to, because when I when we started talking about it, I started running into people and asking them questions about their experiences and. Uh, one of the things that really has come up more than once is the transportation, paying for the transportation, because a lot of people don't realize, but when you first get diagnosed, 
um, the next month to two months are three times, four times a week, five times a week you're going to the doctor. And every time you walk in the door, you know, it's, uh, oh, you need an MRI? We have to have $150, you know, copayment up front. Oh, um, you're getting uh, an x-ray? We have to have $75. And, I mean, it's, you are hit and bombarded with every day, 150, 75, 150, 75, 25, you know, and it's, because you have all these doctors. Most working folks can't handle that. No, I mean, no. they're working two jobs and... Right. It's, suddenly wanting four or five hundred extra dollars a week. They don't have it. Right. It's financially, oh, well, when you go in there, they will, you know, you write your mileage back and forth and keep up with it to and from your doctor's appointments, and they help with that. Up to $1,000 a year per client. And, and the last number that I had was, um, and this may have changed, but uh, the end of the year, there were 165 active clients in the county. So if you think about that, 165 clients um, with up to $1,000 a piece, mm -hmm. you know, that they're helping with, and that's not counting the wigs, right. mm -hmm. the, you know, the little bags that they get, the shawls that the, there's a knitting group that meets once a week that knits to give soft coverings for your head. There are just so many things that they provide for that if you have not been through cancer, you wouldn't even know you need it. Um, now one of the things that kind of I had never thought about, you hear about losing your hair, but most people think you lose your hair on your head and that's it. But you lose your eyelashes and your eyebrows. Every piece of dust, everything goes in your eyes. And it, your eyes always hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, as if you're not hurting everywhere else, your mm -hmm. eyes are always hurting. So, I mean, there's things that they do to help with that. I mean, there's wow. just so many good things that they do that most people don't even think about. Mm -hmm. Well, I know it's, it's a perfect fit. I mean, I, I, a year ago, I wouldn't have thought this shift, but it, it's, I think it's, it's uh, um, there's something about watching somebody moving from one job they really love into another job they love. Because that's not always the case. You and I have both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. But uh, it is. I mean, it's kind of neat to see you move from one job that you really have a lot of passion for into something that you actually, if possible, have even more passion for yeah. because it's something that really helped you. And, and that direct, we, you and I have known each other for years. You went to school, Jeff, and I mean, like decades, kind of. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, you know, helping folks has always been in front of your mind, whether it was church or, yeah. you know, through volunteering or something else. So this gives you a chance to, for, for a change to get paid for being good, Angie. You had to be good for, you've been good for nothing for years. I know, good for nothing. And now you get, now you get paid for being good. Yeah, that's, well, you know, it is. It's, it's really exciting to me to have the opportunity to do something that uh, don't tell them, but I probably would have done anyway, you know, yep. um, to be involved there. And um, it's just, it's such a privilege. And, uh, you know, Rusty said it best and, um is that it's a God thing, it and is. it is. Um, I can look back when, you know, and I've had people come up to me, even this morning I was meeting with somebody, and they said, you know, when I heard about that job, I thought, I don't want her to go, but oh my gosh, that's the perfect fit. Everybody says that when they hear that. And, and I, you know, it, it, it is. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's just something that I know God put together, and things just fell into place, and I, you know, I didn't even, he, he does, you know, God always does, Above and beyond what you can even hope mm -hmm. or imagine, and uh, and I, I feel like that's what this is, and I'm I'm really excited and very grateful for the opportunity to um, to take on a responsibility. I know there's big shoes to fill, and uh, 
But the thing is, they're so big, I'm not even going to try to fill them. I'm just going to walk softly in them. That's good. And, well, uh, every week I always end the podcast uh, after all the interviews with get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. I love that. And I appreciate that's what you've been doing. And we definitely, this is not the last time we'll talk. We, uh, once you've been in the job about six months, we'll say, what did you learn that you didn't know was going on over here, even though you thought, because that's, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a learning curve, even though you're really familiar with them and have been a volunteer and been a a client and everything else. And well, I really think that I think you, the average about a person a day needing help, if, oh, if yes. I remember the numbers. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is a lot of people. Um, and, and they're all Anderson people. All Anderson County people, yeah. yes. And mm-hmm. uh, But, Greg, I think you should uh, participate in our girlfriend's tea. We do have some men there. I think you should come. Maybe you could talk to some of the people there while you're there. Absolutely. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. Well, you can, you can, you can start PRing me next week. <laughs> you got it. You've got all my contacts. Thanks, Angie. Thanks. As I mentioned in the interview, I have known Angie for decades, um, and she's done a great job for the county. Uh, if you haven't ever vis- visited the Cancer Association of Anderson, drop by one day soon. Take a look at all the great work they do for our community. It's a very friendly place. Um, as we move into the hard winter, with all the threats of weather and other things. Next week, Anderson County Museum is going to host the annual, that's this microphone, I'm having problems today, the Winter Gala Fundraiser. And it's a chance for those who financially support the museum or want to, to come on out early and enjoy music and food and a preview of some new exhibits. And we'll let those folks tell you about that. Anyway, well, um, we've got a table. I'm going to let y'all tell me who you are because we've got a table full of folks here at the museum today. And we're going to talk about a couple things going on in the museum. If you haven't been out here lately, we, as we have said many times, what's wrong with you? Um, we'll start with Beverly here, the director. Just tell us who you are and what you do, and I'll just kind of go around the table. Hi, I'm Beverly Childs, and I'm the executive director here at the Anderson County Museum. What do I do? A little bit of everything. I'm the uh, fundraiser, the grant writer, the pulling all the pieces together and making sure that we are putting out good exhibits for our county and doing wonderful programming uh, for everyone to come and uh, hear. Uh, We are a free museum. Thank you, Anderson County, for uh, continuing to support us so that we can be a free museum. And we do wonderful work here, so I invite everyone to come. I'm Mary Kosher. I am the museum aide at the Anderson County Museum. Basically, like Beverly, I do a little bit of everything. I do research. I help accession artifacts that people donate. And I occasionally work on exhibits. I'm Jean Niles. I'm on the Friends Board. The Friends Board is an auxiliary board to to raise money for um, exhibits. Uh, Anderson County supports our museum through uh, hiring the director and lights and all that is necessary. The Friends Board helps raise money for the exhibit. Well, let's start with you because one of the things we have, we have an event coming up. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Our event that's coming up is our big fundraiser for the year. It's the Winter Night Gala. This year, in conjunction with the International Festival that we're celebrating Italy in Anderson, the museum gala is going to celebrate ancient Rome. So it's going to be a fun. We have um, those guys, it's our dance band. Everybody loves them. It's good to dance to. Our food is going to be fabulous in the decorations. It's on February, uh, January 22nd at 7 o'clock. If you need tickets, call the museum. Give that number? Oh, that number is 864-260-4737. So anybody interested in buying tickets can buy a ticket and come to support the museum. Yes, they can. 
or they can just, if they don't want to come to the to the gala and the party, they can just join the uh, friends as a member. Okay. Now, how do they do that? Uh, they can call the museum for that, and they'll send them a packet of membership opportunities. Now, tell me what it means to be a friend of the museum. Uh, a friend of the museum, we support the museum with the exhibits. We think that this is really a jewel of a place in Anderson County. Um, and it just supports the different exhibits. And we do have things that we invite the members to occasionally. They get discounted at the museum store. The, the friends have the uh, store, which is a wonderful little store, um, good place to buy birthday presents, Christmas presents. And um, you get a discount if you're a member. That's great. Well, you know, we've said it before. Easily best museum in South Carolina. You know, oh, I agree with that. Well, no, I don't think this, I don't think anybody can. And I think really one of the best museums in the whole South. I mean, really, if you haven't been to the museum lately, you know, all kidding aside, uh, it, there's new stuff here. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it, the thing that I tell Beverly that, that, that to me separates it from a lot of museums is it's very well organized. I've been to museums. I like museums. We, when I used to travel a lot. I mean, I like museums and libraries. I go wherever. I hit them wherever I go. Um, but I've gone to a lot of them. Had a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good. They were just so scattered. You, you'd walk. You know, you'd, you'd, it'd blow your mind because you'd be looking at something and the thing next to it had no connection to it whatsoever. And you, you know, you'd, you'd lose a little bit of the just the whole feel of the exhibit because they were, you know, an exhibit from 200 years ago next to one from 100 years ago next to one from 50 years ago. Not even the same theme. So it was very well laid out. And in the last 10 years, we have just grown our exhibits. When I first got on the board 10 years ago, we mostly just had photographs of things. And since then, we're just running out of space nearly for the exhibits. They're fabulous. Right. And really, that's, I mean, that's a pretty fast startup for the museum. We haven't been here that long. The museum has not been here all that long. When, when was it? Well, uh, it moved here to the current location in 2003. Right, so that's not terribly long ago. Right, correct. Uh, of course, now, we're celebrating our 32nd year this year. It started out as a smaller museum in the historic courthouse right. with uh, our beloved Fred Whitten. Right. And it has grown uh, really quickly in the past couple of years from, well, you know, when you have a good staff, you, you make progress, and that's always a good thing. I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on is not being a static museum, but continuing to bring in new things. In February, Black History Month, we've got a number of new cases um, for Black History Month. Uh, so we've got a great new uh, phase three of our transportation exhibit, which is Roots of History. That opened in November, late November. If you have not seen that exhibit, you certainly need to come in to spend at least 40 or 50 minutes in that exhibit uh, refreshing your memory, because a lot of people have lived here their whole life, mm -hmm. on transportation and what I-85 and Hartwell Lake meant to this community as it developed. And speaking of Hartwell Lake, on March the 12th, we will open another new exhibit, and it's on Hartwell Lake. That's going to be great. Well, yeah, and people are connected. I mean, I think you a lot of things here in Anderson we find that, people who have moved here are more engaged than people who are from here because I guess they take it for granted. It's kind of right. interesting because you, you drive down Main Street and they intentionally left some of the old trolley track just to remind mm -hmm. people we had trolleys, you know. Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of, every time I drive by there, I just, I like that. I like the fact that somebody made that decision mm -hmm. 
it, but it takes somebody making those decisions and, and, and being able to fund the kind of stuff we're talking about. We're fortunate. We have a county council that believes in the history of our county, and we certainly have a, an administrator in Mr. Burns that support this museum and believe that history is important and understand the importance of funding this museum yearly. So we're, we're in a great place. And then, of course, the Friends Board continues to help us raise money. Getting back to our membership program, we have different levels of membership. So if you're a family, you can join at a, a certain level, or if you're a corporation, you can join at a certain level. So I think that's certainly a good way for people to help support us, even if they don't want to maybe support the gala, they can support us with a membership. And if they want more information, then go to the, the website. There's a lot of kids' programs going on here all the time. Oh, yeah. There's always something going on. This is not just a building where people come in and walk around and look at old stuff. Correct. There's stuff going on all the time. Yes. Check out our website. It's andersoncountymuseum.org. You can find us on Facebook also, Anderson County Museum. So if you just put that in your search engine on Facebook, it'll come up. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that are coming up, because we'll, and we'll catch up with those a little bit more later. But um, I do know one thing, 2016 is the year of the roof. Yes. A new roof is yes. coming. Actually, they're starting on it put Monday. Put the buckets we're, away. We, we can put the buckets away. You know, it's been a long time coming, but we're excited to have it finally here. So it's going to be a unique experience for our staff uh, when they start that roof. But we'll get through it. It's going to be Wonderful. I think that's another good uh, uh, indicator that there is support among council and stuff because they made a, right. made a point to put aside. It was quite an expensive undertaking to replace this roof. And it is an old roof and a big roof. If you, if you haven't been to this building and you're from here, this is the, where the library was here in the, from about what, mid 60s on? Uh, I think or, it was early mid 70s. 73, yeah. I believe, mm -hmm. is the date. Yeah. And, and certainly uh, we appreciate the council giving us this new roof. We've been leaking for quite a while now. and. Uh, We'll, we'll be glad to put those buckets away. Well, I, I do want to mention, even though you and I talked about we'll get together closer to this event, but it's sneaking up us, on us. You've got a couple other things coming up pretty quick, including one uh, that involves Clemson, and everybody's talking about Clemson nation, nationwide right now. Suddenly, they're the... Go Tigers. Yeah, Go if Tigers. you're not from here, I saw LL Cool J with a Clemson hat on on TV, just on news or something. Oh, everybody has tiger fever here, and on January the 26th, we are going to have uh, a book sign-in with some of the Clemson mascots from other years, and maybe this year. I don't know about that yet, but it's uh, we're having a book sign-in for Clemson through the Eye of the Tiger, and it is a great book if you haven't bought it. Of course, you can buy it in our gift shop. So I think you and I will get together get later to talk about that. Some of the guys get, yes, here get it signed by some of the... Give that date and the time again. It is January the 26th, starting at 5 p.m. Okay. Bring your children. This is a great event for the children to meet some of the tigers of yesteryear and more of the current tigers, tiger mascots uh, of this year. So. Well, that sounds good. Um, well, we've got another big year coming up, the Hartwell Lake thing, and then, you know, you got some things planned coming for the fall, and we'll catch up closer. Yeah, we do need to catch up on the fall, but in the meantime, we uh, certainly want to talk about our latest exhibit that is opening on January the 22nd, which is the evening of the Winter Night Gala. And uh, I'm going to let Mary Kozar, Mary has taken the lead on this exhibit. So I'm very proud to have our museum aide working on something, and she's doing a fabulous job. So I'm going to let Mary tell us a little bit about your exhibit that's opening. Well, the exhibit is called Preaching to God's Creatures, the Franciscans of Anderson County. And it is actually 
about a group of Franciscan friars that actually live and work in Anderson at St. At St. Mary of the Angels Catholic Church. And one of the reasons we did this was we were trying to find a link between Anderson and Italy, and St. Francis, who actually started the Franciscans, is the patron saint of Italy. And as I was going to the story, it was just, it was really interesting because this one, basically the African-Americans in Anderson did not have a Catholic church, and they weren't allowed to actually, um, you know, practice their religion with whites. So they actually got in touch with the Holy Name Province in New Jersey, and they said, can you please maybe send us a priest to, you know, so we can start a church. So this Irish-American priest named Father Francis Gorman comes to Anderson, and he gets here, and, of course, they tell him, you know, you need to live at the rectory at St. Joseph's, which is the white church. And he, and finally, they get there in March, and, and he, there's two ladies who want to become Catholics. So in October, when they finally have their first Mass, they have three people in attendance. But he soon actually had a sizable number of people who wanted to be involved with the parish. And when he realized there weren't a lot of, you know, sporting leagues or anything for African-American teenagers, he started a baseball league in town and a boys and girls club so that they, so a lot of these kids would have a good place to hang out. And he had really specific rules. He said, you can't go to public dances. You can't just hang out in the street. You come, you can come to like the dances we have and I'll hold lectures. And the parish actually still exists and it's still thriving in Anderson 70 years later. And he left and then came back. He left. And I knew him. He came. I knew him pretty well. I mean, he was a good guy. I mean, and he also was a central casting Irish Catholic preacher. Mm-hmm. And he talked to him. Oh, he, hello there. How are you this morning? He actually came back three times, and he actually retired from the priesthood here in Anderson. Yep. But they sent him to Greenville for his retirement. Then he actually. Finally, his health became too infirm. He went back up to New Jersey, and he died about two weeks later at the age of 91. And he was actually a Franciscan for 70 years. That's a great story. I'm glad y'all are doing that. Because his, that, not only just his story, but the idea of, I mean, let's face it, Catholicism in the Deep South back then not, wasn't, not only not integrated, was not hardly in existence in towns mm-hmm. our size. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty small which parish was that? Um, it was St. Mary of the Angels. It's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Still there. Yeah, on Street. Yes. And actually, at the time, because of segregation, they said to him, you know, you're white. You can't, you're running a black church. You can't really do that in the South. Well, what he does is some, some the family of a priest who had died up north, they actually left money for a church in the South. And they gave St. Mary's the money to build their church. And they built it out of town a ways so they could actually have their church. You know, Greg, if people want to know more about the Franciscans of Anderson County, we're having a Lunch and Learn on January the 26th at noon. Now, Lunch and Learn, you bring your lunch, we have some drinks here, and we are going to have one of the monks here to do this Lunch and Learn and talk about the Catholic Church and uh, some of the other things that are in the exhibit, and we will do a quick tour of the exhibit that day also. Well, that's great. And that'll be set up again. Exhibit when? Um, it opens on January 22nd okay. at the Winter Night Gala, but it opens to the public on January 3rd. 23rd. 23rd. Or 23rd. Sorry. Yes. And what day of the week is it? That's uh, Saturday. 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 Okay, so yes. Saturday, that Saturday, you can come in and sit. Uh, 
so many people knew Father Francis, whether they went to St. Mary's or not. He was such a icon in the community and such a character, too. And his, his last time here, he, he, he called him on the phone. He was deaf as a door. <laughs> and he would just, whatever you said was all right. <laughs> and he had, he, but he was, a, he was such a great guy, but he did have that. He threw it, don't you see, after almost everything he said, he was so, and he's such a, it's amazing. Irish. It's <laughs> amazing to think he came here, though, at a time when not only was it, were, were segregation such, had such a strain of hold, people weren't all that fond of Catholics here in yeah. the South. So, so he really true. was a pioneer in so many ways. Now, Mary, am I correct in, aren't the Franciscans, the Patriots, the saint of blessing the animals? Yes, Tell they are. That. Well, St. Francis, um, He's actually a very interesting figure in the Catholic Church. He's one of the most popular saints of all time, basically. And he actually had an affinity with animals. And there's two really interesting stories. The first one was he actually preached to a group of birds, and they actually listened to him. And the second story was there was this wolf in a town called Gubbio. And this wolf was terrorizing the town, and they didn't know what to do. And So they called St. Francis, and he basically essentially talked to the wolf, and the wolf left the town alone. (laughs) And there's all sorts of great stories. There's all kinds him. of great, great stories. St. Francis. Mm-hmm. His transformation out of the cave and everything. Really and he was a very wealthy young he, man, and he gave all yeah, of that up. He was born, he was actually his, it was born Francesco de Bernadone. And he, his father was a really wealthy cloth merchant, and he became a soldier. He got thrown in jail. He comes out of jail a changed man. And his family's are like, okay, maybe this will pass. Well, then he take, he's in a church one day, and this famous crucifix. And actually, if you ever go to the church of San Damiano, the crucifix is still there. It talked to him and said, we won't, please fix my church. And he took some of his dad's really good cloth and sold it. His father was not exactly happy with that. And so he took him to the bishop and said, please talk to this young man. And he actually persuaded the bishop to get his dad to disown him. And he gave away everything he owned, including his clothes, and basically took the life of a penitent and avow of poverty. And people still guard those caves and stuff, and that's very mm-hmm. interesting. People still that. Well, it's interesting, too, and this is sort of broad strokes, but to show these exhibits here and the things you're talking about, how one person can influence things, and you see that thread running throughout all this. People might not always remember the name of that one person, but every exhibit in this museum was because somebody had an mm-hmm. idea, or somebody not just had an idea, but they took action on that idea. And uh, it changes history, you know. It's, uh, mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you got a lot going on. We do have a lot going on, and we certainly invite the public to come to our free museum. It's admission-free. We do ask for donations, though. We have a donation box up front, so if you like our work, like what we're doing, you can drop some money. Heck, you can even drop a million dollars in there. We can use it for our military exhibit coming up in 2020. But our gallery is open to the public on Tuesdays from 10 a.m. until 7 p.m. and Wednesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. Well, and, and we try to, and try, y'all do so many things, I don't always have them, but we try to keep you up to date on the events going on in the Observer, try to put them on our calendar when we, we get everything in, in order, and hope everybody will come out to the Winter Gala. It is the big fundraiser, and you want to keep this the top museum in the state. Come out and support y'all. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Anderson County is really fortunate to have such a great museum. It, it seriously is one of, one of the best you'll, you'll visit anywhere. Very well organized, well organized great exhibits always being updated and I hope you can get out there 
out there to see that or maybe even visit the winter gala and, and fundraiser and help them raise some funds to continue the great work they're doing. Well, that's about it for this week's Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust. Next week, we're going to feature the South Carolina Agricultural Museum Director, Les McCall, talking about one of South Carolina's official museums right here in Anderson County, and it covers all things farming, including a lot of interactive exhibits. Very exciting place. I was up there this week checking it out. We're also going to talk to Taylor Jones about getting ready for winter weather and the other potential emergency situations that we all need to be aware of, and they do such a great job doing those things. And uh, an update from the demolition, demolition of the Bales Building, which is set to start next week on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. And we have another special guest who's going to talk about Anderson history, um, and his name's Brian Scott, and he's done some videos uh, under the kudzu. You may have seen some of those. He does This Day in Anderson Historical Daily uh, thing, and he's written a few books, and he'll be on, good, had a good interview with Brian. So we've got a busy show already scheduled for next week. Hope you'll join us right here on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Until that time, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.